Hi, I'm Matt Donnelly. And I'm Tim Malloy. And this is the Shoot This Now podcast. Tim, what is the Shoot This Now podcast? The Shoot This Now podcast is the podcast where we talk about wonderful stories that we think should be put to film so that they can become cinematic treasures. And one of our rules is that it can't be something that's already in production or that is already underway. And we've already broken it. <laughs> and we've already broken it once. And we'll break it again. We can do whatever we GD please. Exactly. Um, we want to start off with a small correction, yes. amplification. Mm-hmm. Um, what a nice word. Yeah, I love that word. You know who used that word? Who? Um, I actually got that word from Kumail Nanjiani. Aww. He was accepting an award, and he said, men, this is our time to kind of... He didn't say shut the fuck up, mm-hmm. but what he was basically but saying he meant was, shut the fuck he was saying up. like, man, let's shut the fuck up and support and amplify. Guys, 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 relax. <laughs> I thought support and amplify was such a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Even uh, if he didn't, even if that was fed to him, it's a beautiful line. Not not saying you couldn't come up with that on your own, Kumail, but it sounds um, it sounds like strong messaging. And that's why Matt and I decided to start our podcast of two yes. guys talking. Mm-hmm. No, but we're going to try to amplify some <laughs> some stories yeah. in this podcast. Um, one of the stories that we talked about previously, a story that we both really loved, mm-hmm. was The Living Room from the wonderful Love and Radio podcast. Yes, and I, I, I need to, I owe an apology to the lovely Brianna Breen, who um, I, I misidentified Diane Wipert, who is the subject of the piece, uh, and a filmmaker and a writer, as the sort of author of this, but mm-hmm. it was actually a series of really compelling, provoking, deeply empathetic questions that yeah. Brianna asked her. And even more impressively, um, you maybe hear her voice for context twice in a 40, yeah. 30, 40 minute podcast, which is almost impossible to do. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. Because God knows, like, I have to, like, I'm just a smart monkey and I just basically have to help everyone along <laughs> with, like, you need to yeah. do, when you do an interview, you have to do the 15 minutes of, here's how smart I am. Exactly. Totally. Or it's <laughs> like, or it's like, um, I find new and narcissistic ways to say what I think without saying, here's what I think. You know what I mean? Yo, Where it's totally. like, don't you feel, or does it occur to you? Or <laughs> um, She didn't do that. She let Diane tell her story and beautifully produced it into, well, just go listen to the episode because yeah. it blew our minds. And as much as we're like joking about it now, I mean, this thing brought us both to tears. Oh my God, yeah. So um, Brianna, you're, you're, you're a genius and I'm so um, sorry that we misidentified that. And also um, to Diane for sharing. That's amazing. You guys are, we're well suited, um, yeah. incredibly well suited. You know, there's a piece of interviewing advice that I got once, mm. um, and I've been going around telling it, and it's try to ask the shortest question possible. Yeah. It's just like ask the one sentence question. And I've been telling it to everybody, but I have to stop telling it to people because mm. the person who gave that advice, Charlie Rose. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so now, whenever I give that advice, people are like, oh, that's great. Where did you hear that? Yeah. Doesn't matter where I heard it. It's like my grandmother always said, the sun rises in the east. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> Not important. Um, uh, but, I don't know when this is going to... Sorry, you want to move on? Um, well, we were going to probably put this out before you go to Sundance. Yes, I leave tomorrow for and, Park City. I'm so excited. And I'm going to go soon after. You're yeah. going to go for work. I'm going to go for fun. You're going to go for play, but hopefully you'll come and see us because the rap does... I'm sorry not to sound competitive, but we do hands down the best portrait and interview studio that uh, Sundance has to offer. Would you say we slay down that snowy mountain? We slay in both contexts. <laughs> we slay with cruelty-free robot dog slay, and we slay like Beyonce in our interviews and our gorgeous stunning portraits from our creative director, Otto Garin. Amen to that. Amen to that. 
Um, and I'm pumped. I'm pumped to see a couple of things. I am excited to see Rupert Everett, who is only now making his directorial debut, which seems wrong. Seems that seems fair. weird. Is playing Oscar Wilde in the in his last days alive. Oscar Wilde is the most talented motherfucker who has oh ever lived. Oh my god! Can you like honestly like people ask the the common like trite dinner party question like who would you host at a dinner party, living or dead? I want to go in a yeah. time machine or in the afterlife to an Oscar Wilde party. That'd be amazing. And just orbit that cool flame. Um, and just, uh, can you imagine? One of his salons. My God. Mm. Also, there's a movie, I, not to interrupt you, there's a movie I, I'm, I'm, try, I'm dying to see that's sort of like, um, I have been discouraged from comparing it to Get Out by its sales agents, who I won't name. Which um, quick prediction. Yes. Best picture. You think so? Yep. Um, Steve, oh, I don't know if I can say this. Uh, knowledgeable insiders in this building think it's going to be Lady Bird. Okay. Um, cool. But we'll see what happens. Uh, it's a movie called Tyrell about a young African-American male who is the only guy at a raucous weekend-long birthday celebration of young white men. Wow. So it's, in a way, it is sort of like Get Out, that it's like, well, how did you term it? Well, it's like, it's about being the only African-American in a very white space. Yeah. And I got to say, their director, Sebastian Silva, who has done... I have, to, I have to look up his other credits. I know he's done something else that got attention, but Good I things. need to read you yeah, his bio Okay, on the Sundance website because someone flagged it for me, and I actually... I should write this as a story because it's amazing, but here's yeah. his bio. I'm And by the way, the typical filmmaker bio is where they went to school... Um, what their credits are, if they had mentors, and if they're married. That's okay. usually a typical bio. Okay. Here's Sebastian's. I'm Sebastian. I'm 38, 6 foot, 175 pounds. I've lived in New York City on and off for 16 years. I write and direct films and paint a bunch, looking for someone my age or not with a kind heart and a sense of humor. <laughs> I'm sexually very open, but believe monogamy is key during the first few years. <laughs> Hoping for a long-term relationship, but not opposed to no strings attached. See you on the dance floor. <laughs> I'm obsessed with him. I want him it to doesn't win specify an sexuality, so maybe I can, I don't know, see I, what's up. I, I want him to win awards and just do that as a speech. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or be like, um, or he pitches like, how about we <laughs> ride a tandem bike? Um, Why not? Yeah, so I, I am leaving tomorrow, but there is still time for, for shoot this now. And I have a really good one for you, I think. I'm excited to hear it. P.S. Maybe this isn't a good thing to put out on the air, but uh -oh. can you help my wife and I get into good parties on Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, yeah, because you can probably have to... I inevitably RSVP for everything okay, and never get to go because I'm either in a movie oh or writing God. about movies or in the studio. But you know what? I, I'm a nerd. I love to watch the movies. and um, I, That's it. Um, so yes, definitely shouldn't be in the podcast. What about my wife's cousin and her husband? I know that's going to be harder. Nice. It's going to be nice. harder. But um, actually, what's funny is um, because <laughs> of this, because one thing I can't get you into that will be a blast. Um, in all of the fallout from Harvey Weinstein, there has been so many more. I can get into Harvey Weinstein's party. No, I'm not saying that this is any way collateral damage or remotely compares to the destruction he has caused in this industry. But at Sundance every year, he and Bob always threw a viewing party for the NFC Championship game. Oh my god! As, which is the precursor to the Super Bowl. Am I correct in that? 
I guess. I believe. But they, they threw it at the Four Seasons in Park City, which is in some chalet, and it was always full of, like, whales. Literally, Harvey. And sorry. Oh. Sorry. Oh, that's oh. mean. Oh, that's mean like to the, Harvey Weinstein. That's like the 70th. Yeah. It's low-hanging fruit, but I don't take about. notes from you on this podcast, right, Tim. Anyway, they threw a splashy party, and no one had stepped up to sort of... Because it is a great place to do... People do business of the festival right. against the guise of Watch Football. So um, the cute folks at at and are throwing a viewing party and a pizza party that I can get you guys into. <laughs> You're going to Sundance to watch fucking football, and it's hilarious. It's so not what you would do, but I guarantee you'll have fun. I would need somebody to explain how football works. I'd be such a. Post. You don't go to watch the football, Tim. You go to eat I the pizza they bring out to you. I yeah. go to pitch things. I go. Yeah. Well, you know, we have a podcast <laughs> where we pitch stories, and this is one of them. Or like, I can just imagine me coming home and then being like, "Oh, uh, you know, a twenty-four bought this. Oh yeah, I heard that at the pizza party. What else? Like, I can just see you getting all this information, then like not contextualizing it at all. Well, what is the story this week that you think should be a film? The story this week um, is something that I have been obsessed with for years. Um, I I sort of dropped it because um, what's even better about the story is that it's a mystery. Cool. And I think what's what's funny about me, um, I'll be honest, we had a planned idea for this podcast right. that it fell through because our coworker Beatrice Verhoeven is a flake. No. Um, oh, mm. She had a conflict and she was supposed to be on. Um, we mentioned Beatrice Verhoeven on the podcast twice now. Yeah. Um, previously, she was going to come on and explain what Luxembourg is. Yes, for Vicky Creeps. Whether it's a city or a country, uh, we'll still all have to wait to find out. I know. Um, but uh, it occurred to me that I first heard the story when I was a very young man, read the story when I was a very young man, and it was the day that Versace got shot. Whoa. I was at the Jersey Shore where my family went bef- long before the show came out, because I'm from Philadelphia, so we summered at mm-hmm. the Jersey Shore. And I remember I was obsessed with print magazines, and I uh, always read GQ as a, like, a 13 or 14-year-old boy. Sure. Um, because I am a climber. <laughs> I sure. Um, And I remember reading this profile in the magazine that was a formal write-up of a a movie production coming out and that there was a lot riding on it and had huge stars. And I'll get into all of it. And it turns out that it was the entire thing. um, I don't don't know if this is bad storytelling, so you'll tell me now. um, The entire thing was a hoax. And not even, what's crazy is I tried to find the story in a print version online later, and I all I could find was a forum with nine other people talking about how they remember seeing the story and are they crazy because it doesn't exist. They can't find archive copies. Um, but, but I know whatever month, the day Versace got shot, whatever month and year it was, it was that issue or the preceding issue of GQ. And here's the story. Do you know, can I tell you something real quick? Sure, yeah. I guess it used to be just cool for magazines to do a fake story once in a while. Yeah. Because there's also a really good 30 for 30. I know I just explained that I have no sports knowledge whatsoever, but I and do love 30 for 30. And here comes Yeah, it's a great test storytelling. Um, there was a story called Unhittable Sid Finch and the Tibetan <laughs> Fastball that's about this like crazy <laughs> guy named Sid Finch who like studied baseball in Tibet or something and could yeah. throw 168 mile per hour fastball. Mm-hmm. And then like about 10 minutes into 30 for 30, they're like, just kidding. <laughs> like, this is just a fake story that Sports Illustrated wrote a long time ago. Amazing, for fun. just for fun. Amazing. People just did fun fake stories. And actually, G- GQ has done did another one that I vividly remember because long before Paris Hilton reigned over pop culture, at, before she was what she she became as a brand, Paris and Nikki Hilton were fixtures in Page Six, which I also read every day. Sure. Can you get a picture of me as a child now? Yeah. At twelve, thirteen, fourteen, I read Page Six every day, <laughs> and I was sort of obsessed with them before they were mainstream. Yeah, and then they became party girls, and I I, rem- I always remember too after um after nine eleven, 
the first, like, second week after 9-11, when people were finally starting to come out of the house again, Paris went out to a nightclub and wore a star-spangled dress, and people read that as a fun thing, as like, okay, okay. you know what I mean? Um, but do you think it's tasteful or not? Like, that was a moment of, like, maybe we'll get through this. Like, it was the even first Paris. sign that possibly she likes attention. Yes, true. Okay. Anyway, so after they, after they started getting bigger, GQ wrote a story about a two, a two sisters, Dallas and Frenchie Marriott, the Marriott oh, sisters, and it was so it was so realistic that um, agents <laughs> in Hollywood started calling and seeing if they can get them on the phone to represent. Them. <laughs> anyway, okay, so here's you have to hear this because it's just so insane. And oh by the way, God. when I tell you the story was packaged with photography from set, wow, images like I don't know how they staged all of it. I don't know how they possibly did it. And they also had renderings of posters. Okay, and they ma- they gave a whole ad- fake ad page to the movie. One Why? of the pages, I don't know. And also, but, but the thing is, I can't even find it online. So I here's what the movie is, and okay. you're just, you're just going to die. Okay. The profile is about how high risk this production is for the studio and the stars involved, and it was sort of one of those stories where if this doesn't work, it's going on everyone's tombstone. Okay. And it was a movie directed by Steven Spielberg okay. called God. <laughs> and Brad Pitt plays God. <laughs> Brad Pitt plays God. And that's good satire because at that point, Brad Pitt he had was, already played he, death, right? Yes, that is. Oh, maybe that's what it was. What Black? year was Meet Joe Black? Can you um, look it up? 97-ish. What year did Versace die? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. That might have been a total yeah. reverse publicity for, fuck, for Meet Joe Black. Meet Joe Black came out in the year... Remember on old shows when they would go to the computer and they'd go like, what's the answer, computer? And you'd be like, beep, 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 beep. Meet Joe Black came out in 1998. Anything Any else, Timothy? <laughs> also, can I point something out that I learned from listening to past episodes? What? We never say each other's names except when you are calling me out on a huge mistake, at which time you use my full name. You go, well, Tim Malloy apparently thinks Meet Joe Black came out in 1948 and starred. If you listen to this guy named Tim Malloy. So, anyway, Meet Joe Black, 1998. And when was Versace killed? Tim Malloy and the computer called it. And I'm going to say off the top of my head that Versace was killed in 1998 because I remember living in Arizona when all that stuff happened. Um, actually, no. You know what? I don't think that's right. I think it's about 95. Let's see. Uh, the Versace Murder is a 1998 film. Um, so but it's earlier. Versace was actually killed. Um, we'll come back to it. I'll, I'll, you keep talking. Yeah. I'll find okay. it. I'll find it. So um, the film stars Brad Pitt as God, and he has taken human form and come to Earth because the world has devolved uh, or dissolved into war. And the villain of the film is a power-hungry army general played by Tom Hanks. What? And then the love interest for God uh, is Elizabeth Shue. Awesome. And there are posters where he's stroking her cheek, and it's a it's a hit. And by the way, you would really be hard pressed to find a more beautiful human, but also more beautiful man than Brad Pitt at the height of his, of his long blonde of hair. His powers. And yes. <laughs> When, just after he'd met the witch and collected the items she needed to give him a golden globe. Um, <laughs> um, he, so, but he's, so he's stroking Elizabeth's cheek, and one of the, like the, the log, the blur, the log line on the poster is, God loves all his children, especially one. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> and I just remember this entire story being about like how it has to work. And, Mr. And, and what's crazy with Yola, this small detail, 
there was a derelict, and I, I think he, the character, if I remember correctly, but if this was 90, whenever Versace was killed, I was either, I don't know how old I was, but I was probably 12, oh, 13, July 14. 15, 1997. Didn't you know 97? that? 97? No, no, I didn't. So that would make me 13. I asked the computer, which on this podcast is also known as yes. Playboy Magazine. Here it means woods. Playboy Magazine in the Woods. Um, um, can I explain that joke from, from previously? Sure. It's because now. Close up to your face. It's because now people find um, naked pictures on the internet <laughs> before they found them in Playboy Magazine. In, in carbon in the papers. Woods. And it's funny because, yeah, I guess. Let's. Keep back on track. Um, thanks, Tim Malloy. There was thanks, for that. Tim Malloy. There was a um, there's a character in the film who's a derelict and I believe a trans person. Oh. Um, in this fake movie, who was sort of like an oracle for God. Sure. <laughs> it was another kind of oracle <laughs> that our all knowing creator needed advice from, and in the story was portrayed by Marlon Brando. That's amazing. And the story, the fake story, talked about how Spielberg had to coax him out of retirement. Of course. Um, and then the other thing I vividly remember from the story is there was a section about how I and I believe. And I, by the way, I'd be so fascinated to find this because I would love to see how I remembered it and what's true. Because right. I don't know if I romanticized it over time, right. but I remember there being a segment of the story about a record amount of budget being spent on a special effect where when. I think that God essentially dies or or is restored to heaven at the end. And they talked about how when he is being, or when he's close to death at Tom Hanks' hands, his face transforms into a thousand faces of his children, of people. And they talk about, I know, I have kind of like the chills. Um, And how it was so expensive. And if if Steven Spielberg fucked it up, everyone was going to go down. And I just remember us being like, oh my God. And then I remember being, and I have this other vivid memory, being a child and being like, (laughs) why haven't I seen the billboards? Why haven't I seen the commercials? And wanting to see the movie. I remember wanting to really see the movie. Series of questions. Yes. I have to admit some skepticism about this entire project. Wait, are you doubting my memory? Just, no, 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 no. Okay. I, I believe that this story existed. Your recall seems very strong. Thank you. What I don't understand is, are you pitching that this movie actually be made? I'm, I, well, yes. Or the story <laughs> behind the story? I mean, we could do it a, like the, oh, I don't want to say the disaster artist because I don't want to bring up James, but, um, but it could be like that, or it could be... So it's the making of this movie? I guess it would be the making of this movie, or would you, or would oh. you go see or would you go see a movie where Brad Pitt plays God, and so, Tom Hanks is, is his enemy, and so, Elizabeth Shue is his love interest? I would totally go see that Me movie. Me too. I would watch that on a, on, a, on a rainy day, on a Sunday, on Lifetime, and I would make a pot of chili. I would watch that movie every time it came on <laughs> TBS for the next 30 years. If TBS still exists in 30 Actually, years. And you know what was so Which funny? TBS would advertise that. Yeah. All the time. Like, they would be like, this Sunday, the God Marathon. But it would never actually be on. And, and by the way, I, if I remember correctly, the movie was called God. And when you went and checked the cable guide, as we all do all the time, yeah. and you'd like go to, like, oh, the God, God is on TBS. Yeah. And then you'd flip over, and it would be, like, an X-Men movie, and you'd be like, that's weird. That's, it's supposed to be that's God. That's messed up. And then yeah. you'd flip back with it, and you'd be like, eh. Days of Future Past. I'll watch Days of Future. Michael Fassbender's I'll cute. Just, or like, if, if we're going back to the time period, what I would have done was wait for the TBS to scroll up because right. the listings were in a right. long scroll. <laughs> and then my mom would call my name and I'd turn and I'd miss TBS and I'd be fucking furious <laughs> and have to sit there for another four minutes until it came back around on the oh scroll. Oh, God, the scroll. The scroll. You know what? Aren't we spoiled? Aren't we so spoiled? We're so spoiled. I used to work at tvguide.com. Did you? Yeah, I think I remember and, this. And there was a big, the note that they always got was like, we get it, guys. 
You don't like the scroll. <laughs> we're working on it. Um, like, did wait. you ever, does anyone, when you were there, did you ever get the joke from the Devil Wars Prada? No. She now works at TV Guide? Oh, shit. <laughs> That's never happened to you? That's the meanest thing ever. I'm so sorry. First of all, you know how you. much I respect you, Tim Malloy. I'm not blaming <laughs> you, Matt Donnelly. You know how much I respect you. I'm not, I'm not like digging on your skills, but I need to do the skit. I need to do the line real quick. Here it is. Okay. No, you can never leave the desk. Once an assistant left the desk, because, you know, she sliced her hand open with a letter opener, and Miranda missed Lagerfeld before a 14-hour flight to Australia. Beat. She now works at TV Guide. Jesus. Sick. Emily Blunt fucking that is burn. Scorching. It you is know, really vicious. Do you know vicious. who I once saw? The, the, the hate in there is real pure. Do you know who I once saw in who? the lobby of TV, the downstairs building? It wasn't in the TV Guide lobby, but it was what, downstairs. It? I saw Anna Wintour. In the TV Guide building? In the building? Did, was she wearing a, like a Groucho Marx glasses? No. Yes. <laughs> to no, hide her she identity? Was, she was... She was definitely her because she looks so much like her. She's branded herself yeah, it's, incredibly. It's anyone else who tries. It's like it's either Anna or it's a drag queen. That's how famous her it look is. It was totally her, and she looked really skinny. She looked. She's. She was completely. She looked exactly like you think she would look. Yeah, she looked like Anna Wintour. Yeah, yeah. she looked exactly like her. Anyway, please proceed with your questions about the project because I would watch a movie about the making of this movie, or I would watch this movie. Um, but mostly, I just want everyone to address that it exists because I think it's a, it's a fantastic thing. Okay. I would like to see the making of that movie. Yeah. My question is who plays Steven Spielberg? Who plays That's a great idea. Who plays yeah. Brad Pitt? Um, who plays Tom Hanks? And who plays okay. Elizabeth Shue? I think that Michael Stuhlbarg could nail Spielberg if we gave him Shit, a beard. That's brilliant. And glasses. Beard and that's glasses. Excellent. Elizabeth Shue I think could be Tough, right? Yeah, Kaylee. No. Uh, wait, you know who plays Tom Hanks? Who? Colin. Colin Hanks. Yeah. Okay, who plays Tom Hanks? Chris Hemsworth. Oh, that's really good. That's not it's Chris actually Pine? spot on. Fuck Chris Pine. No, I oh, love Chris Pine. Oh. I love you, Chris Pine, but you're no Brad Pitt. Hey, but Chris you know what? You know what a great apologies for comparing you to Brad. Pitt. You know what I'm a great really concession sorry. prize for not being Brad Pitt is being Chris Pine. Um, that guy is so handsome. I like see bir- baby birds flying around his head. What's the movie last year with Brian Cranston and James? Why him? Um, why him? What's the name of the female lead? In <gasps> Zoe Deutsch, who is the daughter play... of Leah. Well, she should play. Elizabeth she's the daughter Shue. of Leah Thompson. Yes, Leah Thompson and Elizabeth Shue were definitely competing for the same roles at some point. All the time, they went yeah. out for the same stuff. Yeah, and I bet you Leah Thompson has at least once said, "Well, if I played a hooker who s's Nicholas's cage's d, oh. then I is that too much? Too Whoa. far?" Sorry, you're Leah Thompson. To I'm putting no, you're words. afraid of leaving Las Vegas. I'm afraid of leaving movie. Las Vegas, but I bet you Leah Thompson and or I bet you Leah Thompson's friends. Yeah. If text messaging, it probably didn't exist. So they said this in person. <laughs> they were like, you know what? She only got this way because she played a whore. Like I bet you they. Is that too rough to say? She was I'm great nervous. In that movie though. She was fan, that movie is so devastating, and she's fantastic in it. Man. Oh my god, that scene with the gross young boy. Oh, oh god. my god. I, you know what? What? Talking about that scene. I had a lengthy, lengthy talk with my brother-in-law about if we were across... This is while driving to my bachelor party. Wait, this is how... Driving to... 
Welcome to Inside Straight Spaces with you, Tim Malloy. Wait, you, you were done playing I Spy with my little eye, yeah. so you decided... We'd finished booking the Elvis impersonator oh, for the wedding. Oh, my God. We were driving to the casino <laughs> where we were having the bachelor party, um, and we were joking about how, like, yeah, we're definitely not doing any skeezy bachelor party stuff. Oh, um, my God. And we made, like, the rules that we would follow if we were prostitutes, female prostitutes. And what we both landed on... <laughs> Was we would never ever get with two guys at once or with like a super young guy because of that oh, scene in that movie. My God, we were like, that's really funny. Two though. young dudes is bad news. Also, um, we our lawyer Marty Singer has asked us to say that that's really not a funny area at all, and we shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> I love that Marty Singer's on every episode. Oh, of the and podcast. also to explain who Marty Singer is, um, <laughs> he's a notorious. Um, I don't want to call him a fixer because that's a league that he could he's, sue me for he's, that. He's a lawyer. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Marty, Fick- Marty Singer has asked us not to call him a fixer and also asked us to say that he's not our lawyer and also that he never talked to exactly. us. Exactly. Wrap your brain around that. But he's a guy where if you are a reporter, as Matt and I are, yeah. who writes sure. occasionally about accusations yes. of sexual misconduct. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or other egregious behavior. Or other egregious behavior. At some point, mm-hmm. you will get a letter from Marty Singer wow. saying... Uh, here's the reasons that you should not write that story. And also, if you guys are interested, there's a wonderful, really, it's a story that I wish I had written, and I, I have a few of those in my life that I was so jealous that I wasn't smart or cool enough to have written it. There's a profile of him in Vanity Fair that opens at an awards dinner for the Los Angeles Bar Association, and every year they give some nice, normal, whatever lawyer an award, and Marty got it, and the ballroom was stacked with the biggest stars in the world. And then, like, the ambulance chaser, who's also in the L.A. Bar Association. Like, the (laughs) the previous year's recipient was, like, a tax attorney who got presented to by, like, maybe the director of the Chamber of Commerce. Marty gets it. Steven Seagal, Renee Russo, Kevin Bacon, Kira Sedgwick, John uh, John Travolta, Kelly... Like, are you just making up names? No, those were most people were actually in the story. I do believe they were all in the story. Wow. So it's just it's just this one night where like the ambulance chaser and the paralegal who work in um, Sun Valley or work in Van Nuys come to their annual awards party for lawyers, and it's it looks like the Golden Globes because of Marty. Wow. Isn't that awesome? We should do that as a podcast. Um, I mean, as a, as a shoot this now. That could be kind of good, actually. Like, the night of... And suddenly, getting that feeling, there's an episode of Mad Men where Don Draper wins a Clio, and yeah. they're all wasted. And then he agrees to have a meeting because he thinks he's on fire. Yeah. And he keeps pitching slogans, and it, the client doesn't work, but he keeps rattling them off. You're, are you worried about your own ideas? I'm right worried now? about that I'm like, yeah, and then you, we're going to make a podcast, and then we're going to fly to the moon, and the, then we're going to, yeah. The reason Matt Donnelly is is a little bit worried about the words that are coming out of his mouth yeah. is because he has drank four-fifths of a Stella Artois. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're okay. Well, and you're the, I, I free-based off a hot waffle iron earlier, okay. too. Yeah, yeah, that's a joke. Sure. Marty told me to tell you that's a joke. Oh, anyway, boy. back to... So wait, what, what are we bringing up for in the first <laughs> So what's your movie called, your movie about God? Um, Inventing God? That's a very 90s name. It is, like it Karen is. Like Karen Noun? Yes. Oh, who would play Brando? Oh. It's old fat Brando, by the way, was, was in the story. Who are we going to insult by saying they'll play Brando? Um, I don't know. Jeff Bridges. Could Jeff Bridges do a Brando? He wouldn't be. No, because he had to have that like wide face Gary Busey. But I mean, Brando had to, to get the wide <laughs> face. And he Gary to Busey. I didn't want that to get past I'm you. into that. I'm into that too. He can. He can Wait, who's, can... who's big but handsome? 
big and did you say big but handsome? Yes. Because I think you should say big and handsome. <laughs> Don't analyze my, my semantics. <laughs> Who is both big, well, beautiful, and, and by the way, now, just so you know, audience, Tim Malloy has now revealed my bias and my innermost insecurity. <laughs> By stripping apart a three-word sentence, a three-word <laughs> phrase, he's now told you more about me than I could possibly recover from in that, and it's so fucked up. <laughs> Big and, and handsome. <laughs> well, I find people of all body types handsome. I feel so, so awful right now. <laughs> so you'll never, be- you'll <laughs> never see like the like we're being so Irish in this moment where we're literally <laughs> just pointing out everyone's guilt and complexes. Can um, I tell a terrible story that has nothing to do with anything? Yes, please. When I look at the Associated Press, <laughs> um, one time we went to Corona to do a story about um, how all this land was being taken up by dairy farms. Okay. And it was myself and a photographer who I'll call Steve. Um, <laughs> His name is actually Steven. He didn't do anything wrong in this story, but <laughs> I don't know why. I just haven't talked to him about it, so I'm not going to use his name. Mm. Um, and Steve is African-American. Okay. So we go down and we talk to this rancher and everything's cool and we hear about how all the ranches are being taken over by building complexes or something. Um, a lot of development. And like a week later, Steve has to go back to interview the rancher for, or to take pictures of the rancher for like a some profile. Yeah. For some reason, the photos didn't come out. He had to okay. go back. So he goes back and the rancher calls me and goes, hey, Tim, this is the rancher who I'm also not naming. <laughs> Hidden and, Valley Rancher. And he goes, and he goes his name's Marty Singer. The rancher's <laughs> name is Marty Singer. Martin. And he goes, I talked to your photographer, Steve, a man of color and a man of honor. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, if he had said, oh. it was a weird-ass thing to say, but if he had said, but, I would have, like... Played that, like taking that recording and brought him down. In Wait, the I'm actually, community. I'm actually crying. <laughs> <laughs> and a man of honor. But like, I feel like in the in the movie of that phone call, that's Matthew McConaughey. What and the hell does the, that and mean? It's, and it's the '40s, and he's like had a life changing experience. <laughs> the, or even in the '90s, it's called like Man of Honor, and they're like, this movie is so woke. <laughs> no, it would have to have a Jaren in yeah. it, so it'd be like, yeah. it'd be like. Remembering Man of Honor. Yes, or, or, or it'd be like, um, it'd be like um, all stripes. <laughs> Honoring Steve. <laughs> the color guard. Oh no! And it's set against it's set against a high school football team. For some um, reason. Anyway, okay, so we and have the whole movie is set up just to pay off that line. <laughs> no, but the, the, the end, by the way, and like... I just want to be clear: you have now conflated. A, a three-word <laughs> phrase I've said With to racism. total racism, <laughs> racism. Yeah. Um, and, like, w- white privilege. I want that movie to, like, I want them to make, I want the Weinstein <laughs> Company to have made Honoring Steve, and they do the whole thing, and they, yeah. like, change the ranch to, like, a high school football exactly. team, and they change everything about it, yeah. and then they get to the end, and then Matthew McConaughey delivers the speech where he's like, a man of color and a man of honor, and then Harvey's like, I don't think that line works. He's like, we get it. He likes them. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah, so, and by the way, I, I don't know if anyone 
I should do it myself, but I, what I should do is go to the archive at Condé and kind of ask the publisher of GQ and try to see if I can get some of the issues from around the time. Yeah. Um, because it just doesn't, the story does not exist anywhere. And um, I, and I now I'm remembering this too. The, the, the way I found the community of people who know about it is I went to a Steven Spielberg fan site because wow. I thought the movie was real. Wow. Like a year or two after I read the story. So I'm 14 on the on the internet, and I'm probably yeah. talking to what I'm guessing was going to be a 50-year-old man from, like, Ventura County. Yeah. And I'm 14, and I'm like, where's this film? Yeah. Because um, I was a massive Elizabeth Shue fan. Me too. Uh, yeah, me too. She's awesome. I think Chucky just gave us the eye. Um, um, so anyway, if anyone finds it, please let me know, but I'm going to look forward to it, and, and I hope you enjoy. And you can send it to us at tim at therap.com. Yeah. Matt doesn't like giving out his email. I don't. It's actually um, it's uh, big but handsome uh-huh. at gmail.com. Big and handsome. Different address. Someone with more self-esteem. <laughs> Thank you very much. We will see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Sometimes you just